Marcus, who have come here. And before I start, a disclaimer is I'm not a theologian, you know, so um, it's not out of the knowledge I've had out of theology that I'm going to speak today. It's going to be more of my personal walk with God and what he has taught me. Uh, There are a few experiences and uh, instances which um, God has taken me through, of course, through his word, which I would like to share with you. Mm. Shall we just bow down? God, I just pray that, Lord, uh, the things that we're going to hear today, and whatever you have taught me personally, Lord, uh, may it be beneficial onto the edification of all and the growth of faith and the obedience to do what you want us to do, Lord. Keep us protected, Lord, and I know the enemy is roaring about, Lord, walking as a lion, seeking when to devour us, not to allow us to have our intimacy with you. I pray that you would break the schemes of the enemy and let nothing distract us, Lord, and maybe receive the seed of the word in the fertile soil, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Um, I have a couple of slides prepared, and before I go into those slides, I would like uh, probably one of us to just read up uh, John ten eleven. That was the verse which Sister Eunice had put up today morning. John chapter 10, verse 11. May I request Justin to please read it? Yeah, I am the good shepherd, and the good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. And it's amazing. We are people of different diversities. We are people who um, have different thought patterns in life. But it's amazing how the same spirit of God moves into the hearts of people. I mean, Eunice did not know exactly what I was going to say today, but the verse that she chose in the beginning when she started the worship was exactly what I am going to concentrate upon today. And it says, I am the good shepherd, and the good shepherd is the one who lays down his life for his friends. And he goes on to say, you are my friends. So uh, as we move into that, um, Today, uh, my focus would be operating in the gifts of the Holy Spirit. For many people, this may seem to be like a controversial topic. It has gone into a controversial topic because of what we have done and not because God is wrong. So, um, I would be probably, you know, dealing with some aspects about operating in the gifts of the Holy Spirit and in my personal life, the experiences that I've had personally, and in the end, you know, probably we'll be discussing why I brought that verse, Um, greater love has no man than this, that he lays down his life for his friends. So, um, the first thing is, I think uh, it's, it's very important for us to understand. I think some of these things I've already shared last time with the School of the Holy Spirit, but not extensively. But uh, probably that will be an extension of uh, what I shared last time. So 
who is the holy spirit so as we understand from the word of god if we are to just simply put in a nutshell holy spirit is spirit of the living god as simple as that so if we see genesis uh, chapter 1 verse 26 it says then god said let us make man in our image in our likeness so that they may rule over the fish of the sea birds in the sky livestock and all the wild animals and over all the creatures that move along the ground so if you see you know there's something which is very striking here and uh, that's where we find the the triune nature of god you know let us make man in our own image so it's god was talking to the different persons in him the concept of trinity is something probably we may never be able to comprehend and get a complete grasp of what exactly it means uh, by the doctrine of trinity that we have you know in the bible but what i understand is the holy spirit is equal to the father is equal to the son so it's god who's the father the person of the father the person of the son and the person of the holy spirit who cannot be separated from each other in any way because god the father is equal to son is equal to holy spirit it's not a hierarchy that we believe in you know that god is the father and then comes the son and the holy spirit but what i understand biblically god the father is equal to the son is equal to the holy spirit so holy spirit is the spirit of the living god uh if we see the gifts of the holy spirit there are many 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 references in the bible as to what exactly may be the gifts of the holy spirit i have put up some references probably we can take it down and look in a deeper way even as we go back and you know study i don't have time to go to through everything today 1 corinthians chapter 12 13 14 then 1 peter chapter 4 ephesians chapter 4 and romans chapter 12 i'll be picking up some verses uh, so that uh, uh, we'll be able to deal in those verses about which i'm going to talk today so uh, so why are we given the gifts of the holy spirit that's the other question that probably we need to dwell upon why is it mentioned in the bible the gifts of the holy spirit that's not something which is out of the bible it's not something which is you know somebody has spoken out of whims and fancies that you know there are gifts of the holy spirit but it's been written under the inspiration by the lord by paul in most of his letters that there are op- operations of the gifts of the holy spirit in the in his body the church so why are the gifts of the holy spirit why are we given if we see acts chapter 1 verse 8 it says you shall receive power when the holy spirit comes on you and you will be my witnesses in jerusalem judea samaria and ends of the earth so primarily even as i read this verse one of the things that i understand is that the gifts of the holy spirit the anointing of the holy spirit and the operation of the gifts of the holy spirit is given to us so that we may be witnesses both in jerusalem judea samaria and ends of the world it's not given to make us famous it's not given so that we can boast and say i have this gift of the holy spirit you know see how much god has given me no our primary focus is to be witnesses for the kingdom of god the witnesses of jesus christ so that 
we will live transformed lives which will enable us to to show uh, to show what it means being in fellowship with Christ. So if you go to the next verse, there's another verse which I would like you to concentrate upon. It's Ephesians chapter 4, verse 11 to 14. It says, so Christ himself gave the, gave the apostles and the prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers. So if you are to see that line, you know, apostles, prophets, evangelists, I mean, all of them actually function under the gifts of the Holy Spirit, you know. And then to equip his church for the work of service so that the body of Christ may be built up until we reach unity in faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. Then we will be no longer infants tossed back and forth by the waves and blown here and there by every wind of teaching and by the cunning and craftiness of people in their deceitful scheming. So, you know, what... I would like you to concentrate upon us, equip his people so that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in faith and in the knowledge of Son of God and become mature. So the primary reason as to why we need the anointing of the Holy Spirit and the gifts of the Holy Spirit operating in us and through us as a church, as an individual, is so that we will become mature. What does it mean to become mature in Christ? To become mature in Christ, it means to be a reflection of how exactly you know, Christ would have lived his life on earth. That is the witness. We are the ambassadors of the kingdom of God. And God knew that by our own strength, by our own willpower, by our own might, we will not be able to change ourselves from the fallen Adam and become the new man, which is Christ. And that is what I understand from the word of God when Jesus says, Daddy, Daddy in King James Version and you know in the modern version says, wait in Jerusalem, in that place, when the Holy Spirit is going to come upon you, and you shall be my witnesses both in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and ends of the world. I, I see a very, very contrasting difference in the life of Peter. As we know, you know, Peter was with Jesus all the time. But when the time came, you know, that he had to, you know, witness for Christ. This was the time when he was not anointed. He did not have any gifts of the Holy Spirit operating in him and through him. So when Jesus was about to be crucified, you know, there's a lady who sits there and says, hey, I've seen you with him. I think you are also a part of him. And says, no. And then there are two other instances when, again, Peter denies, you know, doing the same point of time. And then the cock or whatever bird it was crows. And then finally, you know, Peter realizes that what Jesus had told him was actually true, that he denied Jesus thrice. So, um, the same Peter, if we see in now in the book of Acts and further on, after the, the anointing of the Holy Spirit and after he starts operating in the power and the anointing and the gifts of the Holy Spirit, the transformation that comes in him is amazing. And this is the same Peter 
who denied Jesus thrice. And this is the same Peter who chose to be a martyr for Christ. Where did he get, you know, that strength to endure no matter what happens and remain faithful until the end? That strength, of course, was given, you know, by God who helped him, you know, to, to remain to remain faithful until the end. So, the purpose of the anointing of the Holy Spirit and the gifts of the Holy Spirit is to equip his people so that the body of Christ may be built up till we reach unity in faith and in knowledge of the Son of God and become mature. Then we will no longer be infants who will be tossed and turned about with every whims and fancies and doctrines and cults that come over. But we will stand because we would have built our house in a solid rock and not on the sand. And even in our last breath, we'll be able to say, I believe in Jesus. And no matter what happens, I will not forsake him. Billy Graham, you know, he lived an amazing life. Amazing life. He died a few days back. And there was a picture which, which was probably circulating in many social media. It says about, you know, somebody welcoming Billy Graham to heaven and says, Billy Graham, you're welcome. There are lots of people who want to greet you at your welcome. The people who had been turned to Christ and died as people in Christ who were, you know, probably waiting for him to come. That's just a cartoon but it's a very striking cartoon, you know, which has been made. And it really makes us think. It made me think. At the end, when I go there, what will be the response? So remaining faithful until the end is what our commission is all about. The, the Lord anoints us powerfully so that we will become mature Christians who will be able to do things for the kingdom of God and remain faithful unto him. Uh, 1 Corinthians uh, 9, 25 to 27. Now, the, now, you know, this is another context in which Paul is saying, you know, the, the kind of life that we are called to live is like a race. And in the race, you know, whoever competes in the games, they go into strict training. They do it to get a crown that will not last, but we do it to get a crown that will last forever. Therefore, I do not run like someone running aimlessly. I do not fight like a boxer beating the air. No, I strike a blow to my body and make it slave so that after I preach to others, I myself will not be disqualified for the price. In fact, the anointing and the power and the gifts of the Holy Spirit is given so that we may lead disciplined lives, not reckless lives, disciplined lives in accordance to the word of God so that we may be examples to others. That's exactly what Paul says, you know. You know, I bring my body to subjection or I discipline my body to such an extent that once I preach to others, I myself may not found to be lacking in those areas. So, uh, as I said, you know, he disciplines his body. So I'll just go one by one to probably some of the gifts of the Holy Spirit and share my personal experiences from what, 
has been written in the word of God. So the gift of tongues and the interpretation of tongues. The gift of tongues, of course, brings about self-edification. And the interpretation of the tongues brings about church edification. So um, there are a lot of verses in the Bible which talks about the gift of tongues. You know, I had already mentioned to you, 1 Corinthians chapter 14 is one of them who's, which speaks about the gift of tongues. And if we read at other verses in the Bible, um, there are verses which say, you know, uh, which te- Paul tells, you know, that um, probably I, would, I have spoken in much more in tongues than many of you here when he's writing it to one of the churches. So, uh, gift of tongues definitely brings about self-edification. I received Jesus Christ as my personal savior when I was uh, 11 years of age. Uh, I, my, I, I don't belong to a completely Christian family. My father was not a believer. And uh, my mother... After she married, she became a believer. And my personal, uh, uh, what to say, acceptance of Christ as my savior happened when I was 11 years of age. Some of us know my testimony, but for the benefit of others, I I would like to tell it. Uh, Since I was small, my mom, my relatives, you know, used to tell me about Jesus Christ. And at the same time, you know, there was my father's side relatives who would want me to go to you know, other places of worship, to worship. Personally, I didn't really know who God is. Because I think that's a very, very tender age in which, you know, you probably don't think about all such things at that point of time. However, I, I would, I mean, in that small age also, I loved singing. So I used to go to church as well as other places of worship. And sometimes, you know, my, uh, like, uh, there, there would be symbols in uh, other places of worship which I used to love banging upon. But when I was in the fifth standard, that was, I mean, I was moving to fifth standard, 11 years of age, when, you know, I had to change schools. And when I had to change school, this particular school that I was supposed to go to was uh, one of the best in our state. But to get into the school was very difficult. Unless you are the topper or, you know, you have some, you know, uh, people who can speak for you, it would be very difficult to get into the school because it was so much in demand. So that winter, before I wrote for the entrance to that school for the fifth standard, I I remember praying and I said, okay, fine. Uh, Jesus, my mom tells me you are God. But I'm really not sure. And I said, okay, fine. If you are God, if you are living, as my mom and other people tell me, then let it be that I would get into the school without somebody recommending me and on merit basis. If that happens, I will definitely believe you are God. I think I made a very childish prayer at that particular point of time. But I meant it, you know, from the bottom of my heart when I said, you know, I will believe in you. So the, the entrance was over. The results came a little bit late. But when I saw the results, my name was not just in the merit list. My name was the first one. And that was the day I stood there outside that notice board. And I said, okay, Jesus, I think I believe in you. 
from this day I'll make you my best friend and I'm going to tell you everything that is inside my heart. If I hate somebody, I'm going to tell you. If I like somebody, I'm going to tell you. If I feel like bashing somebody, I'm going to tell you. And then began this, you know, relationship with God as, as, as my best friend. And, you know, probably if I look back, it's been amazing over the years, you know. And he's the truest friend that could ever, you know, be. And he's somebody who's so trustworthy, who does not let us down in any way. You know, sometimes we may not understand his ways, but he, he is the, 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 the most true friend that could, we could ever have had. All the qualities that we look for a true friend is there in God. So, yeah, so then, yeah, so that was the time I accepted Jesus as my savior. And a couple of, you know, one, about one year after that, uh, I mean, I, I was in a prayer meeting which used to happen in our church. And I started speaking in a language which I could not understand. And I had heard about the gifts of the Holy Spirit that time, but I think it was too small an age for me to really comprehend what it really means. But I started speaking in a language I could not understand during that particular prayer meeting. Then people told me, this is the gift of tongues, and you need to utilize it. It will bring about, you know, transformation in your life. Those were two big words for me that time. I really didn't know what those things meant, but they told me you have to keep praying, you know, in the gift of tongues, you know, as much as you can. I think I took it really seriously during that point of time when somebody told me you have to keep praying in tongues all the time. And, you know, I sort of developed a new excitement and joy because it was as though, you know, my spirit was communing with God, you know, sort of face to face, though I don't, I, I, I didn't see God at any point of time. It was like, you know, uh, every time I used to pray in gift of tongues, it was as though, you know, my heart is being poured out to God and he understands me exactly. I don't have to tell him anything what is there. He just knows exactly what is there. And by the end of it, I would feel, suppose I, I, I go with a huge amount of burden to, to him, pray in, in the language which has been given. By the end of it, it was as though, you know, he's taking care. He's taken care of it. So many times, you know, even as I grew in the Lord, um, there would be times, you know, certain lustful thoughts, certain desires which were not right in the sight of God. Or I would be angry at somebody, you know, which would probably not be right in the sight of God. So I used to go back to my room, close the door. I know this is not right, God, but I don't know how to get rid of it. So I used to just pray, 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 you know, in the language that had been given. So after that, when I actually saw that person again, whoever had angered me after spending time with God, those feelings of anger would not come again at all. So those were the moments then I started realizing, actually, you know, the gift of tongues transforms us. The lustful thoughts that I had after praying to God in that secret, you know, room secretly, you know, I mean, not trying to tell everybody I have the gift of tongues. I don't think that is what, you know, the Bible mentions about. But 
praying to God in secret about those issues which was troubling me those lustful thoughts those thoughts of anger you know those thoughts of you know mischievous thoughts as a child you know i would want to do certain things which are wrong i knew those were wrong but you know uh, i would want to do it so through the gift of tongues god really started edifying my life and helped me to leave those things which were not right in the sight of god so the gift of tongues definitely brings about transformation in our lives that must be an experience for all of us even for me you know you know still god is bringing about that transformation to change from that old man and put on the new new man and of course the interpretation of tongues you know brings about edification of others the next is the gift of prophecy you know the gift of prophecy brings about edification of the church by edification i don't necessarily just mean you know uh, correcting somebody it also means you know growing in the lord into maturity so the edification process also happens through the operation of the gift of prophecy uh, in the life of a believer for me personally my experience how it has been in my life is when i was in the 12th standard Mm, by the time okay i accepted jesus god started transforming then i started you know going away from him when i was in the 11th standard and 12th standard probably you know i i did lots of things which are not right in the sight of god i i willfully did those things which were not right in the sight of god and i'm ashamed about those things right now but uh during that time one of my cousin sister in law who is a pastor she had come to visit me just before i went to the college so that time 11 o'clock in the night we are in our room sitting and she said i want to pray for you now she lives in a different state she doesn't know exactly what has been happening in my life and then she prays for me and she tells me this is what god is telling me to tell you whatever has been done god is willing to forgive and forget and he has a greater thing in store for you in the days to come which he is you know which he has prepared for you if you choose to walk in his ways there are greater things in store for you which he has prepared for you uh Uh, much more than what you can think and imagine and the words that she gave me that time was i've got plans for you which are meant to prosper and not harm and no eye has seen no ear has heard uh what god has in store for those who love him now that was a point of time where i i was very much struggling with a lot of issues in my life and that moment i just broke down why i broke down was because i could not comprehend why god should love me so much despite the things that i've done despite you know knowingly doing those things which are not right in the sight of god why should this god love me so much so i i cried almost for one hour that night you know it was still about 12:30 or 1 a.m in the morning i was crying in my room and i you know t- 
I was trying to stop my tears, but tears were not stopping. So that day was the day, you know, when I made a commitment and I said, God, I know I haven't surrendered myself totally to you. And there are areas in my life which I have not given to you. But this night, God, I'm changing. I'm giving myself totally to you. Henceforth, I'm, I'm going to die to myself and I'm going to live for you. And whatever you will for me, whatever you want for me, let it be done. But I know I cannot assure that I'm strong always. Why? Because I know I'm weak. But I want to commit even that area into your hands, God. Make me not to repeat any of these things that I have done till now. So when we commit ourselves unto the Lord, He does help us and He does, uh, he does do those timely interventions so that we may not you know, go into those things again. So the gift of prophecy which was operating in my cousin, sister-in-law's life, made a huge impact in my life because, because of that day's prophetic word, I stand here today. Probably I would not have been here at, if at the right moment that prophetic word was not given to me at that particular point of time. So the gift of prophecy brings about transformation in the lives of people, and in the lives of believers. So uh, the third, third one is the gift of knowledge and the gift of wisdom. Many a times, the gift of knowledge and the gift of wisdom, uh, he operates in us through many of our senses as well as the intellect. Um, the senses and the intellect are part of our soul. So many times... God operates through them. So I'll just give you an example. Uh, sometimes God may speak through dreams also to operate through the gift of knowledge and wisdom. Sometimes through vision. Sometimes maybe a word which may pop up in our minds. Okay. So uh, uh, this was when I was in the ninth standard and uh, my university exams were due about a month from that time. So it was holiday time, study holidays, and I was in my room, kind of resting in the afternoon. And I saw a dream that particular moment of time. And in that dream, I saw that one of my cousins, she was on a deathbed. I saw a room which was dark. My cousin, she was on the deathbed, and my cousin was not a believer. My cousin's sister-in-law. She was not a believer. So I saw her on the deathbed. And in that dream, you know, I could hear a booming voice saying, go and preach the gospel unto her. She's dying. I just woke up with a startle. I thought I was literally present there. But it was not reality, you know. I just woke up and then, where am I? For a few moments, I had to figure out where am I. Then I realized I'm on, on my bed and that dream was actually not real. Then I started thinking, uh, Scott <laughs> telling me to go and tell the gospel on tour. Come on, I can't do that. I mean, they, their entire family are not believers. And all of a sudden, if I go and tell, you know, God has sent me to tell you all these things, you know. I thought I'll be beaten up. So I was like, maybe that's not from God, you know. <laughs> I, 
I don't want to follow that. Okay, maybe that was just a dream. <laughs> That's what I thought about. Maybe I've been thinking too many things right now. Exam stress is there, so maybe, you know, that was not from God. Next day again, I was sleeping approximately the same time, 12 o'clock, 1 o'clock. I get exactly the same dream again, you know? Same room, same bed, same person, and that booming voice saying, go and preach the gospel to her. She's dying. Now, I didn't know exactly what was happening in her life, by the way, that time, because it had been a long time since I, visited, I had visited the house. Then I woke up uh, with a startle again. And then I was like, hey, why is this dream getting repeated? Maybe I'm thinking too much about this dream, that's why. <laughs> then I just left it. Next day, again, approximately same time, I get the same dream. And I was like, okay, fine, this must be from God now. You know, God, but I'm really scared, you know. I don't want to go there, you know, and get beaten up. <laughs> I mean, with God, you can say whatever you have in, 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 in your heart. He's so transparent. And, uh, I mean, even Moses said, you know, I can't speak. Don't send me. So I guess we go through those kind of times in which it's like, you know, I don't want to do that, God. But somehow God was, the, the urge from God was too strong. I was becoming, you know, kind of, I was losing my peace, you know, because I was not doing, I was disobeying God. So that date, that, from that day onwards, that was a Friday, then Saturday, I started praying for that issue and I said, God, okay, fine, you know, give me the strength to go if you want me to go. But whatever may happen, please protect me and, you know, you take care of the situation. Because, <laughs> I mean, I was just in the ninth standard, maybe about 15 years of age, 14, 15 years of age that time. And then I told one of my cousin brothers, we were in a prayer team, so I told him, can you come with me because I think God is telling me to tell the gospel onto them. And he was also like, okay, fine, I'll come. But later he was like, what if we get beaten up? I said, I don't know, <laughs> let's go. <laughs> so that Sunday we went to their house and I just inquired there, um, is everything okay? And my cousin brother, she, he told me that uh, she actually has a resistant tuberculosis and she's not been well. That is what he told me that time. And it was exactly the same room which I had seen and exactly the same position in which she was. And I said, I, um, I've just come to pray for her. Can I spend some time with her alone for a few moments? I just asked him. He said, okay, fine. So I sat with her. And I remember sharing to her about Lazarus, who was dead, and then he was brought to life again. And then I shared to her about, the, you know, who Jesus is and what Jesus has done. I think I shared about one hour, but it was amazing to see her listen so intently. And in the end, I just asked her, you know, it may be now or never, you know, would you like, you know, to accept Christ as your Savior in your heart because he's the one who has died for your sins. And when you believe in him, we, we are not going to have eternal death. We are, we are going to have eternal life because he has paid it all for you. I was thinking she would say, no, what are you saying? She said, I want to accept. In that moment of time, she said, I don't know how to pray, but I said, okay, fine. Can you repeat this prayer with me? And she repeated it dot to dot. She said, amen. 
exactly one month after that, she passed away. And I know where she is right now. Praise be to God. So, yes, the gift of knowledge and wisdom many a times can operate in us through our senses, be it vision, be it a, no, be, be it a word that pops up in our minds, our hearts. But when that happens, it's amazing how God works in the lives of people. Another instance I'll give you, uh, m- many a times for me, God speaks through dreams or you know, through visions. So uh, next instance, what happened is, um, that was in 2013. Uh, I wrote the entrance for my PG exam. And the results were not coming. We were waiting for the results to come, but it was not coming. And whatever may happen to the results, I actually did not have a plan B as to what would I do if I don't get into a PG course. I did not have a plan B at all. I was just blank. So I was like, God, I don't know what to do. Give me direction, you know, God. I don't know what to do next. I'm so confused, God. If I don't get in this time, what what shall I do, God? So every day from January, I used to pray, you know, just this issue, that's it, that's it, that's it. And now the results got delayed because, because of some court cases going on. And then the results got postponed to March, then April, then May. I thought, you know, it's, it's going endless. The waiting time is just going endless. You know, some, something of a similar situation which is there right now about the neat thing was happening that time also. And I was like, God, what shall I do if I don't get in? And God seemed to be just silent, you know. Many a times when we pray, God is silent. But actually it builds up our faith that no matter what happens, would I still choose to thank him and cling on to him till he shows me something? That was the challenge, you know, that I faced in that point of time. So, exactly two weeks before the results came out, I saw this dream. And in that dream, I saw that I was standing outside our library, uh, the notice board, and then, you know, um, uh, there, was, uh, there was a list of results, the people who had cleared the names written there. I saw my name there. And there was a voice which came booming from behind again, you know. The same kind of audible voice which I had heard that time, you know. But I didn't see anybody. So that booming voice told me, your name is second on the list. Then I woke up with a startle again. I thought the dream was very real. And then I realized that actually I was in my room. I got up and I prayed. That was 2 a.m. in the morning. I got up and I prayed and said, okay, God, uh, I don't understand this, but if it is not from you, please take it away. If it is from you, make me understand what it is. So I just left it. Next night again, 2 a.m. in the morning, I get exactly the same dream. Exactly. There's no inch, no iota of difference between what I saw yesterday and today. And then again, I get up with a startle, and I was like, okay, this dream is getting repeated twice. So I just went to one of my friends, and I said, um, I'm getting this dream, you know. The results have not come. What's happening, I don't know. But this is the dream I'm getting. And she showed me a verse in the Bible. I think it was Genesis 46, which says, um, and God repeated the dream unto the Pharaoh twice to firmly establish that it is from God 
and it is definitely going to happen. That was the verse which she showed me. And I was like, okay, I, I don't want to be too sure of things, but I'll keep praying. If it is the will of God, it shall be. If it is not, you know, may God give me the grace to accept what it is. That's what I told her and finished. So exactly two weeks after that, the results came and things happened very fast. And I saw the notice board, the name, etc. So what God taught me through this experience, my faith grew in him. It did bring about edification in my life. My friend's faith grew. It, didn't, it did bring about edification in her life too. So the gifts of knowledge and wisdom does bring about edification. Many a times there may be an overlap in the operating of the gifts of the Holy Spirit. It may not be just one gift which, which is operating like that. Because in the gift of knowledge and wisdom, that particular point of time, God was operating even through the gift of prophecy when he showed me what's going to happen two weeks from that particular point of time. So uh, going to the gift of faith, uh, this is also another thing, you know, which God uh, works through in our lives. When our faith is low, you know, he does help us to build up our faith. My mom was recently transplanted, her kidney was transplanted uh, about six months back. And after the transplant, Three days exactly after the transplant was done, she had a heart attack. She could not breathe because of accumulation of fluid in the lungs. She had to be intubated and she was shifted to the ICU. Her blood pressure started falling. She started bleeding from the urine. Everything which I did not desire was actually happening in her life at that point of time. And all the parameters which were checked just told me that she is in a very serious condition. So I think as a doctor, it's a very hard thing to take it at that point of time because you know exactly what is going on. It's not somebody telling you, but you have seen it and you know exactly what is going on. So I remember sitting in front of the computer, which had those results, and tears were just rolling down my eyes. In, in my heart, it was like she was just transplanted and, you know, now the kidney is... I don't know what's going to happen to the kidney. I don't know what's going to happen to her in the first place because once a patient, the tube is in and her blood pressure started, starts falling down, that means she's very, very serious. So I didn't know what to do. I, 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 I just sat there and tears were just coming, tears were just coming, tears were just coming. I didn't want to speak anything also at that moment of time because in my foolishness, I didn't want to utter any words which would hurt God in any way. I didn't want to be somebody, you know, who doesn't, you know, tell him, you know, I don't trust you. Because those are the moments when, when you know, the enemy brings that temptation to say, you know, everything was fine, why did God allow so I just kept numb and silent at that particular point of time, but I started praying in the gift of tongues. I kept praying, I kept praying, I kept praying, and that was the time when uh, Eunice had actually messaged me a verse, um, uh, 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 an, an encouragement, of course through the word of wisdom that was operating in her life, that, you know, I'm praying for your mother, he is the God of miracles, uh, as the song says. So that song kept repeating in my heart, you know. We sing that many a times here. He's the God of miracles um, by Bethel Church. 
the God who was and is to come. He is the God of miracles, the God who raised the dead to life. Those are the words which just kept coming in my heart and kept praying in the gift of tongues, kept praying. And somehow, you know, at that point of time, it felt as though in the beginning I was weak. I was feeling my faith going down. But through God's help and the help of um, many other people, you know, my faith started lifting up. And, and the gift of faith started operating by which it was, I know, God, what you are doing. And I know that you will do what is the best. So, you know, somehow I was getting in my heart that my mom is going to be fine. She's going to be fine. She's going to be fine. It is not time yet. It is not time yet. She's going to be fine. And amazingly, on the fourth day of ICU admission, everything started, you know, going fine. She was in the ICU for seven days in total. The tube was removed. And then she got shifted back. And amazingly, nothing happened to the kidneys. The transplanted kidneys are absolutely fine still, you know, because God has a purpose in her life. Of course, I don't mean to say, you know, um, God may heal probably everybody because one day some, we have to die. That is for sure. But till God's purposes are done in our lives, he will not allow us to die and he will keep us alive and he will heal us. But when the purpose is done, for example, like, you know, Billy Graham, the purpose of God has been fulfilled and God said, it is time. And God called him home. Life of Paul. Life of any of the apostles. Even Lazarus. He was healed because there was a purpose. His time was not yet and God had a purpose for him. But of course Lazarus died a natural death later on. So even for us, I think it is like that, you know. God works through the gift of healing. God works through the gift of miracles. But whenever he does so, he has a definite purpose. And he knows that it is still not time for that person to come home. Next is gift of healing and working of miracles. Uh, Another experience that I had with this particular gift operating is in 2015 when I was working as a postgraduate, that time I had a patient come to me and the diagnosis of this patient was severe anthrax. You know, it's like spread all over the body. All of us have heard of anthrax, right? Anthrax? No. It's a deadly bacillus. It's a deadly organism which, it, if it infects human beings, the, there's something called case fatality rate. That means how many patients die if they acquire anthrax. It's almost equal to 100%. And since 1918, the people who have survived so far from anthrax have been only about 8 to 10 people who have survived with a disseminated anthrax. This is, there's a milder form which is a cutaneous anthrax. People may survive, but the disseminated by which the anthrax is in the brain, is in your blood, is all over your body. 
it is 100% that the patient will die, scientifically speaking. So I had this man who was with anthrax in the most severe form. I had not slept for 36 hours that particular day. And I was about to go back to my room at 12 a.m. in the morning after finishing my rounds. That moment, the sisters in that ward told me, doctor, the line needs to be changed because it's not working. It was a central line. I was like, okay, 1 a.m. in the morning, okay, fine. But it's my duty, I need to do I know I'm sleepy, but I need to do it. So I went and changed the line. I was changing the line. And the patient's wife was looking at me, you know, with a very expecting look. But I knew in my heart I didn't have much to offer to her. I couldn't console her and say, everything is going to be fine. So in my heart, now, you know, probably the gift of knowledge and wisdom, you know, God started operating and he started putting in my heart, you need to preach the gospel onto her right now. Oh my goodness, God. God, I'm not in the mood right now. I was telling God because I was absolutely sleepy and I was changing a line that moment of time and God's telling me preach the gospel onto her and that too in a language which I don't understand I, I don't speak fluently I, I mean Tamil to speak in a patient's language patients in the sense medical Tamil is okay for me but when it comes to speaking Tamil as conversing with a friend no that's absolutely something which I can't do I thought I can't do, okay, until that moment <laughs> when God helped, of course. So I said, God, I can't do this. <laughs> that too, in a broken Tamil, you know, how will I tell her about you and what you've done? But the nudge was too strong. It was like, it might be too late. <laughs> okay, fine. I said, God, give me the strength to say. So I just, as I was changing the line, I said, see, I don't have much to offer to you. I was putting some English words in between, but you know, thank God she was understanding what I was saying. So I said, I don't have much to offer to you. As a doctor, I can't lie to you. The fact is, this is a very deadly disease and you know, he can actually die because of this. But I can tell you one thing and one person who can still heal and that's Jesus. You know, Jesus has died for you, for your husband, for your entire family, so that all of us would be saved from eternal death. And if we believe in Jesus now, what he has done for us on the cross, then our sins are forgiven because he's already you know, paid for us. Whatever words I knew, I, I told all that. And I said, you pray, I'm also going to pray. I'm going to pray for your husband's healing, but you should also pray. You know, and believe what God has done for you and what God is going to do for you. So saying that, I changed the line, went back, I slept around 2 in the morning and then came back again by about 6.30 because I had to do my early rounds and then go for session. So when I came back early in the morning, I saw her standing there with a beaming face. She was laughing. I saw the patient was still the same. He was still in altered sensorium and, you know, he was still having fits. She came beaming to me and I said, Doctor, last night I went to the chapel and prayed. I was like, wow, that's nice. I'm also praying for you. And she showed me the Bible. 
And she said, you know, uh, the sisters gave me this Bible, you know. I'm reading it. I said, wow, that's nice. You should. So every day, you know, I would go back and say, God, I know that you can do a miracle, God. But I don't know what is your purpose in this person's life. I know you can heal. Anthrax is not something which is impossible for you. You can do anything in the whole world. So God, for the sake of, you know, this woman, please do something. For the sake of their children. They had two small kids and he was the only bread owner of his family. For the sake of the kids, please do something, God. So that was the only prayer I could make, you know, every day. Fifth day into the illness, this patient started coming back to his normal senses. By 10th day, he started eating normally. 15th day, he started walking. And day 21, he was sent home alive. And you know what? This entire family accepted the Lord as the Savior. Thereafter, I again met them and asked them how things were. So she was telling me, Dr. Amma, we are going to church and we are praying. So if God has a purpose... Even the impossible, he does it possible. He's the one who parted the Red Sea. He's the one who brought Lazarus to life. But I think it's, it's, it's through, you know, it's, we, we need to have wisdom and ask God, what is your purpose for this person? If it is that the time is over, you know, God will take. But when the time is not yet over and he has a purpose so that, you know, his kingdom may be brought about in that person's life, it's amazing the kinds of miracles that he does. I think I just have about five minutes now left. I'll, I'll finish it quickly. The gift of discerning of spirits, uh, how God operates through this is also to know who is from God and who is not from God. I'll just give you an example. When I was back home, there was a about... 10, 15 people who were saying that one person is demon-possessed and, you know, is not being operated from God. But there were two people who said, this person is actually not demon-possessed. She is being led by God. And it actually turned out to be that she was actually led by God to do the things that she was doing at that particular point of time, you know. And still she's being used amazingly, that particular person, uh, to do the things of God. So it's very important that we need to have the discernment of spirit, which is from God, which is not from God. I, I presume the ten people did not have the discernment from God, but there were two people who exactly had the discernment from God and knew this person is from God. We need to ask God specifically for this gift to operate in our lives because the enemy is very deceptive. The enemy can speak in the gift of tongues. He has his own tongues. I hope we know that, right? The enemy can do miracles. The enemy can do prophetic acts. And we need to ask God to to enable us to discern what is from God, what is not from God. And he will give us the wisdom how to discern. Next. So the 
purpose of all, all, all operations of all the gifts of the Holy Spirit in, in our life. What is it? I've already said to be witnesses both in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the world. Our purpose is now to become mature Christians, mature believers who will reflect Christ through our lives. And I think as churches, as believers, now we need to stop fighting over petty issues in life. One person says, I have a healing ministry. This is my purpose and calling in life. But that's not what is mentioned in the Bible. The purpose for which the gifts of the Holy Spirit was given to us was to transform us to be witnesses both in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and ends of the world, and not to establish a healing ministry by which indirectly we may be becoming famous rather than God. If we exactly see in the word of God, the way the disciples operated was, go preach the gospel and disciple. And in that process, the gifts of the Holy Spirit would operate through their lives to bring about healing whenever it was necessary, to give the word of prophecy whenever it was necessary. But the primary purpose was not that. The primary purpose was not a prophetic ministry. The primary purpose was never a healing ministry. The primary purpose was never, you know, an evangelical ministry. No. So that's why that verse which I had showed in the beginning, Ephesians, you know, which says, we need to leave away childish things now. What are we fighting about in between churches? About petty issues like, you know, Mine is a healing ministry and this person's a prophetic ministry and this person's is just a preaching ministry. No, God never meant it to be segregated that way. And that is why we don't agree to each other, you know, between various individuals and various churches. The fight happens when we are childish. But now we need to be mature Christians who will keep others more than ourselves, who will stop fighting over petty issues which are not important in life. The enemy came. He's still there. He wants to make us fight over petty issues in life and never get united, you know, to do things for the kingdom of God and be witnesses both in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, ends of the world. That's exactly what that Ephesians verse says. Can you go back to that uh, verse? Ephesians chapter 4. So the enemy has come. He has tossed us back and forth by the waves. He's blown us here and there by every wind of teaching and by cunning and craftiness of, you know, of his deceptive mind. And that's what now, you know, Christians are just doing, focusing on fighting with each other. And the enemy is absolutely happy about that. Why is the enemy happy? Because now they are not preaching the gospel. They are not making disciples. They are not being witnesses, both in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, ends of the world. So the enemy's purpose is absolutely achieved when we fight with each other. But the purpose is, let us become mature. Let us reach unity in faith and in the knowledge of Son of God and become mature. I guess if we probably understand as to why we are given the gifts of the Holy Spirit and the anointing, probably will be able to be united. There's nothing like, you know, 
You should be reading only the word and you should not be operating in the gifts of the Holy Spirit. And there's nothing like, you know, you should be only operating in the gifts of the Holy Spirit and neglect the word. The Lord's path is always, you know, both of these clumped together. We will grow in power and maturity if we bring both these extremes together. Because we need to preach the gospel and we need the power of God so that we can live out the gospel through our lives so that people will see who Jesus really is and how he can transform our lives from being the old man to the new one. So that is the purpose. So in the end, you know, Jesus said, greater love has no man that he lays down his lives for his friends. You are my friends. So now that's the commission God has given to us. How many of us have really, you know, laid down our lives? I don't mean to say, you know, probably being killed for somebody. No. Laying down means it's a life of sacrifice. Maybe it's a sacrifice of food that we need to fast and pray for somebody. Fast and pray for the kingdom of God to come. How much of our lives we have laid down for God and his kingdom and his purposes? So that's the question I want to leave with us today. And a challenge to all of us. Can we go to the last slide? And a challenge for all of us. Are we willing to come to that maturity and say, I don't want to fight about you know, petty things in life. God's commission, the great commission to me, it's here. How much am I fulfilling the great commission that God has given to me? Shall we just bow down our heads and uh, and I, w- I would like all of us to just reflect on what we have heard today. Uh, there have been many things that we have discussed today. Is there something which has impacted your life right now? Or God is talking to you about some issue right now in your heart? Or God wants you to make a particular decision in your heart right now? If that is so, I, I, would, like you, I, I would like to give you this time to, to, to just make that prayer unto the Lord right now. It's just between you and God. Nobody's watching you. Nobody's hearing exactly what is being told.
Lord, we turn our eyes unto you, Lord.